Hey, y'all. As I said, this is a teaser for Ride Home Plus content. If you'd like to have immediate access to all Ride Home Plus bonus content, you know what to do. Go to tech.supercast.tech. You can do it right inside your podcast app. And there's a link in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome to another Office Hours episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Today we have a VC legend, Chris Fralick of First Round Capital, who was involved in funding such companies as Ring, Hotel Tonight, Warby Parker, Rec Room, and as you're about to hear, Roblox. But in addition to being a legend, as you'll hear, Chris is just an all-around good dude. Chris, uh, I... I... I love you. I like to think of you as a friend. Um, so I always follow what you have to say on Twitter. And I sort of knew that you uh, at first round were involved in, in Roblox, but then you shared a great story about you, uh, your personal um, investment and, and history with Roblox. So as much as you'd like to share, just tell us that story. Just go. Sure. Well, thanks, Brian. Good to be here and appreciate all the work you've done uh, and and glad you asked me to be on. So. The Roblox story is an interesting one from a couple perspectives. One is uh, my son helped us <laughs> land this deal, or at least know know to be you know, inform us to be interested that this is a really good game. He he wouldn't stop playing once I asked him to check it out as we were considering the company, and uh, you know so that's been that's been an unfair advantage I think I've how had. How many how many years ago? So it started in 2007 when he was eight years old. That right, okay. And uh, and you know the other unique element of it is that we even after first meeting Dave and taking a first look at it for you know for a few reasons, including it seemed a little expensive for us at the time, we decided to pass. But uh, fortunately, did it in a way that uh, didn't alienate Dave Bazuki, the CEO. And because my son kept playing, we kept in touch and I would go visit him on trips to California and, and, you know, give him feedback and he would update me on how the business was progressing. And, uh, we, we were fortunate to get another pass, uh, another, you know, another opportunity to invest, which we took, um, in, uh, 2008. And then we, you know, later, later followed up and, and, uh, and led a later investment round and got a meaningful ownership position. And it was fantastic and almost surreal two weeks ago today to, uh, you know, I, I, you know, in the time of COVID going public, isn't as public of an event as it used to be. Dave Bazuki was almost by himself ringing the bell at the New York stock exchange, but it was cool. I was, I was able to, drive up from Philadelphia where I live and, you know, wait in front of the, the New York stock exchange with, um, the, the little statue of the fearless girl right in front of me, the big Roblox banner in front of the, you know, the institution of the New York stock exchange. And then Dave pulled up, uh, in order to go in and be on CNBC and then ring the bell. And I was able to give him a, give him a wave and, and wish him luck and say, thanks. I just, you know, honor the thing that he has built and he and the team. And then, you know, drove back home and watched him ring the bell by the time I got home. But it was just a cool thing to see that and what they've turned into when for much of their 
their history was very slow growth, extremely, uh, remarkably under the radar. And, you know, most of the, for most of the years we were investors, I'd mention it to another investor and I'd say Roblox, they'd say roadblocks and they wouldn't know what it was. And, you know, now, now the, the typical response is more like, oh yeah, my daughter plays Roblox. Or, or as I've been saying on the show, it's it, I, it's one of the most buzzed about companies um, in recent times in terms of people that I talk to. I'd After say, having no buzz, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. I'd say maybe maybe Stripe people are more FOMO about you know, but uh, the um, but you know, two thousand eight. That's so long. That's like an entire different yeah environment ago. And so, real quick, the question I would have with this is: I feel like, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, that Traditionally, US VCs wouldn't weren't crazy about gaming as an investment space uh, versus the Chinese, which have thrown all sorts of money into buying every you know gaming company they can get their hands on. Um, number, do you know why that is? If, if I'm wrong about that, please correct me. But if if I'm right, why do you think that's been? I, I think there's certainly more Chinese investors that might be comfortable. I think. And, and there, there are a small number, but a growing number, I guess, in the U.S. that have had success and are focused on that, on that category. I think <clears throat> from first round, <clears throat> in our perspective, it was a little bit more of like a traditional gaming companies tend to be organized like studios. You tend to think of games as hit or miss. And, uh, and again, we've had some investments in that kind of a model and they haven't all worked out. That I think what we recognized was different about Roblox was that it was um, it wasn't one game. It's multiple multiple games from across you know from all kinds of categories and and they're user generated. Like so, that was always right on, very much part of what was different and you know probably harder to pull off in terms of things that need to go right. But once it does, it's it's less vulnerable to becoming, you know, super cool than out of, you know, out of favor and out of mind. And, and again, like back then we, you know, the things that were in vogue were things like club penguin was still a thing and mm. webkins was a thing. And, and people were worried about, you know, we were thinking about what's Lego going to do with Lego universe. Um, I mean, heck that's probably slightly even before Minecraft, right? Yeah, it was before. In fact, I remember distinctly, first hearing about Minecraft and checking it out and downloading the beta and being a little bit freaked out that they, they looked and felt a lot like Roblox and they kind of weren't on our radar. And I think I even, you know, wrote, you know, kind of a impassioned, you know, email to all the other, <laughs> other board members about, you know, this thing coming out of nowhere that is capturing all the, you know, all the oxygen and, and the, and the, excitement of what we kind of we kind of uh, started right i mean it got it got way bigger than than roblox much quicker it was a quicker it was acquired you know for a couple billion dollars by microsoft which was a huge amount of money uh anytime but especially back then and then it's been amazing to watch roblox climb up and exceed exceed minecraft in a lot of the usage numbers years ago and then just you know generally and being more you know, broadly, broadly understood and accepted. Um, well, amazing story. And, um, you know, it, I guess, uh, 
it's also a different era. I think, you know, that, that was my theory that either being a, a, a hit space business, that's not very scientific. So a lot of people don't want to get into it. But now that you can achieve such scale with it, that maybe that can change for people's thinking. Or it was just everyone remembers Noel Bushnell and, and the first <laughs> video game bust, you know? So, yep. uh, but all right, before we get to the, the traditional questions, um, you're someone uh, that I have unique questions about, which is if anyone's ever been to the first uh, round offices in New York, you go in and in the lobby, there's sort of a uh, tech museum waiting for you, unless you've changed it uh, in recent years. Um, and you also, I've discovered over the years, have a bit of a tech museum in your house. Um, so tell me about this. Is there, is this just pack rat? Is this just, I'm a collector? Do you have any sort of uh, thesis for collecting tech gadgetry and things like that? Yeah, I, <clears throat> um, I've collected and have gadgets from decades ago when I used to work and sell computers. <clears throat> and Brett Burson, who's our partner in San Francisco, when we were rebuilding the San Francisco office, he asked me, what, what, can I pick out some items that might be cool to have around the office? And and he sort of went on a hunting expedition on eBay and picked up a lot of cool things. And I had an extra, I think, an original Apple portable that I that I gave them. And 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 it's always remarkable in San Francisco office. We did the same thing in New York. And um, and it's a thing I love. I've, I've now joined the Computer History Museum. I'm on the board there and know a lot of the people who are into collecting. And, you know, it's 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 cool to have the objects it's it's even more cold i think to have the stories and know about the people that are that are behind them but i, I actually have a couple things that I'm, I'm up to show you if you're awesome if, awesome i was hoping i didn't ask but so, i was hoping yes so i was watching uh, your your gary tan uh, office hours and and it was a really cool com conversation about star trek versus star wars right 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 we'll get to the rapid awesome, fire eventually yeah go on yeah he gave this awesome answer about why it's you know hands down star trek in his mind but I, I got this a little while ago, which is pretty pretty rare thing. I don't know if you can see it. So it's a it's a cassette yeah. version of Star Wars, the game. I'm assuming the game yes. um, for your Apple II. It loads. It's less than 16k. But on the flip side is Star Wars. So oh, like, wow. that, that's a that's a cool rare item in an interesting medium. You don't know. You don't always see. Uh, other Apple related, but not Apple things. This is, do you know what this is? I'll ask you first. Do you have any idea? Okay. It's a, it's obviously a keypad input device, but for what? I couldn't tell you. Uh, when Waz left Apple, he started a remote control company called Core. It's a basically a universal remote before that was even a concept. It was designed by Frog Design and failed uh rumor would say in part because steve jobs got mad at the whole idea in the company um uh, but there aren't many of them i've never seen one live before someone pointed it to me on ebay um and i'll show you one other little thing that i don't think i've shown anywhere before you know what that is i'm guessing it's a motherboard or maybe it's old enough that that's not a motherboard that's maybe just a chip <laughs> Well, it's kind of close. It's kind of both. It's uh, it's the company that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak had not a company. It's their business before Apple. It's right. Blue Box. That's it's the it's the uh, the chipset 
that plugged into a little keypad and a to do phone freaking for phone freaking blue boxing calling making free long distance calls while you hack the phone system they famously called the vatican vatican and pretended to be henry kissinger and almost got the pope on the phone they were this close i'm told do you uh do you have an apple one i don't i have a replica i have a replica Mm -hmm. of an apple one i'm assuming you have an apple two I do. Yes. I have an, an Apple II signed by Waz and refused to be signed by Jobs. Uh, what would you say the most valuable? And maybe that's a tough one because by dollar figure, I don't know if that matters, but maybe mo- what do you think is like the most historically valuable thing that you get? Um, I, the, the most unique thing might might be that that blue box I just showed you. I'm told yeah, there, yeah. there were only, you know, there's a small number of them made and maybe as little as 30 or 40. And I don't know how many are still in existence, but, uh, you know, some of the, I like some of the things that I have that are kind of one of a kind. Um, there's a, there's a startup or a company called mischief in Brooklyn near you. Do you know those guys? Uh, no, they do uh, almost performance art with drops of unique products. And once they, they created a, a laptop with, uh, the seven most deadly viruses ever, (laughs) <laughs> created by man and kind of sealed it off in a Toshiba laptop. And I have a mm. replica of that signed by all the, the people that work at mischief. So that's, that's one you care. You're careful not to plug that one. in. I was going to say, I, I feel like I've heard about that as a, like a, a stunt, but <laughs> they did it. Yeah. They, they did it as a stunt. Um, all right. Let's, let's try to squeeze in some of these uh, typical questions if we can. Um, who's the best boss you ever had? Uh, that's pretty easy for me because I've been lucky to work with Josh Koppelman for um, for for a long time. For for I've known him for almost twenty five years and worked with him since nineteen ninety nine. So twenty twenty two years and 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 in a startup where I, I was you know working for him as a head of business development half dot com and then. The last 15 years working for him and partnering with him at, at first round and you know watching and helping him build build this uh crazy idea of a seed sage uh venture firm which there really were a small number of folks doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> professionally back uh in 2005 or even four when when he and howard got it going when i joined and rob hayes joined in 06 if i'm getting the years right um it was there were still like one handful or two at the most of of firms that were professionally and full-time focused on seed stage investing and now there's hundreds or thousands it's it's a whole different landscape but uh, but josh's you know is just lives up to his great reputation and in terms of you know seeing seeing the future and building it and bringing great teams along with him to help do it. I feel like uh, we should reference the fact that there's a great uh, internet history podcast interview with Chris that you can look up that will tell you the whole half.com story and, and more of Chris's entire career, which we won't get into as much here, but uh, seek it out. Um, is there a quality that the most successful people you've worked with over the years have had in common? Um, <clears throat> I, I would probably give two or a variation on one. I think 
I think the worst quality that you avoid is any kind of hypocrisy or if you can't trust or believe <laughs> what someone what someone says. And so uh, integrity and doing what you say you're going to do, like those are those are super core uh, values to me. I think I used to think of it just in terms of sales people, skills and traits you'd want to see, but I think it's more broad uh, is probably empathy, I would say is the is the character or the trait that is super important to be able to have a sense of what, you know, of being in the other person's shoes, um, working, you know, once you're in that headspace to be able to work on a common solution together and, you know, the best salespeople, business development people, you know, even leaders, I think generally um, tend to have that, that quality and you don't hear it talked about that often. Is there something that you think you're better at than anyone else in the world? Uh, I don't, I don't think, so. I, don't, I don't know if there's anything. Maybe no, if you, no but by the way, no is a fair answer to yeah, that question. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I can't name one thing, but I think I have a unique combination of things. So, um, you know, I think <clears throat> Like, like one example is I, I come out of a business background in college and I was selling computers, but I would tend to know more about how they worked than other people who were just selling computers. Like they could have been selling typewriters or paper or, you know, anything else. I, I, I truly always loved the thing that I did and knew about it. And, you know, so when I, you know, eventually started getting into startups I was raising capital and I was doing deals and I was having successes and I was having failures. Like I, I kind of lived part of the startup life, not being an actual founder and entrepreneur myself. I've joined, you know, I, I, you know, I've joined three different companies when, when I was the fifth employee more or less. And so that, you know, I have a good understanding of what that's like. And I think that's translated into how I've been able to work with, um, with, you know, and partner with the 75 companies that I led when I was actively investing over the course of my first round career. And again, one, one thing that I don't know if it's, if it's a record or it's unique, but, you know, of, um, you know, of an investor has to see a company or an opportunity has to decide to invest and then has to win the deal. Right. So that's sort of the third element of it. <clears throat> and in my in my history of 75 investments, uh, I only lost one. It was only one, one investment, you know, one company that we wanted to invest in that I was point on where we put in a term sheet and wanted to make an offer and they didn't accept it. So uh, the, the, I, I think I was pretty good at selling first round and myself and getting into virtually every deal that we wanted to get into, which, you know, um, you know, a, a lot, a lot of investors, get through the first two parts and then there's six term sheets on a table and five losers and one winner. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. 
Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features Features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Octa-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Um, if you could pick one, uh, what would you say is the number one way that you see founders screw up their startups? Um, I, I, you know, the, the, the simplest is running out of money. That's kind of an obvious one, I guess. Well, that's forced upon uh, you, maybe. Yeah, well, that's, sometimes. That's, well, yeah, it's less obvious. I think what's more subtle about that is, is companies tend to spend as much money as they raise in 24 months, more or less, no matter how much they raise, you know, um, and that's, that's, that's controllable and that's definitely... Uh, definitely problematic. Um, I, I would also say, like it, generally, it ends up being more self-inflicted wounds that kill them than any direct competitor. Um, you know, I think. I think, in fact, companies often spend too much time just focused on everything that's happening out in the marketplace and not and not enough on what they can control and what they're doing uh, inside their own their own walls. Uh, these three are. They seem like they're similar, but uh, if you there's there's a subtle difference in these next three. So the the first one would be, um, what do you think is the most overrated or played out narrative in in tech right now? And narrative more than uh, 
you know, technology or trend or something, specifically narrative? Uh, I, I don't know if this qualifies or you think like, I think SPACs are interesting, but way there, there's too much too fast. Like you just know there's going to be some negative, negative outcomes and bad behaviors incentivized, even though just the concept of having more public companies is a good thing. And, um, yeah, I just think, I think we need to go from find a good medium between, you know, we have half the number of public companies that we did decades ago to having hundreds of SPACs roll out, you know, every few weeks or months, um, hunting for their targets. Like, I think there's, there should be some happy medium. So that, that's one, that's one thought on the narrative there. Yeah, SPACs generally. Um, so the number two, um, the biggest story in tech right now, and by story I mean the thing that a guy like me would write a book about twenty years from now. Um, I, you know, I, it, it it might be a theme. Just I would think of a company that maybe up until very recently was under the under the radar is a is a company called Rec Room. Have you been tracking them at all? No, not really. I I, I know of them, but not really well, tracking like, them. That much. So yesterday, the Wall Street Journal ran a story with them that they they raised that. they raised at a over a billion dollar valuation, and they're kind of a uh, they're kind of a Roblox right. uh, in some ways, but but different. But they started off in VR. And then they kind of expanded into other other formats, but it's also very much user generated content. Uh, users make it all avatars, interaction real time. I think it's just a, it's just part of like with Roblox, with Rec Room, just the whole theme of user generated content, avatars, metaverse, uh, in VR, in your tablet, on your PC, uh, really becoming a thing. Like I think. These aren't going to be, you know, just a, a few of the companies. I think it's, a, I think it's an absolute theme. And you're, you know, the, the in twenty years, Ready Player One might be very much what we're living in. Right. You in, know, in fact, like you know, we listen to like Elon Musk and just talking about like where how fast technology changes. It's actually probably harder to make an argument that that's not where we are in twenty years than it is to say that's where we're going to be. Well, and, and, you know, listeners to the show have been listening along as I've been trying to get deeper into AR and VR. So like the whole Matthew Ball theory that the metaverse yep. is finally upon us. Yeah. I, I, yeah. If, if it's really here, then yes, that's the book that someone will write 20 years from now. Yeah, he, he said it very eloquently, um, you know, in his piece he wrote probably six months ago on, on the topic. And, uh, but, but clearly, clearly there's a movement there and it's possible that's the, that's the one. It's also just, you know, it's interesting that AR VR was an area I was really, really focused on several years ago. And for a while thought I might've put too much energy into that and it wasn't really paying off, but um, always felt good about rec room was, you know, one investment that came out of that and could just see them accelerating and following and learning uh, faster and iterating faster than we watched Roblox do. And, and so that, that, you know, and then now you're even seeing like a, um, you know, a, uh, 
a comeback in in VR. Like I think you had the, you know, what do you call it? The hype cycle and the trough of disillusionment. And we're kind of coming back. And, you know, just on a ski trip with them, some friends, and I brought a little uh, Oculus Quest with me and everybody was just blown away. They'd never been in VR and everybody, you know, loved it. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's going to, you know, it, it and the metaverse and avatars and all that will absolutely be a thing that we're all dealing with going forward. Uh, third of the three then is the most underrated or underreported story or theme in tech right now. The thing that even someone like me uh, that tries to pay attention every day wouldn't have on my radar. You, you, you might've stumped me with that. Cause I think everything is so completely, <laughs> completely reported at the surface. Yeah. Do you have, do you have any, uh, maybe you could. Well, like what's something that, that needs, that needs thing? more that, that people are sleeping on that while it's people are undervaluing that this could be yeah, the so, next big thing. So maybe it's more of a meta theme of like, is, is technology good or bad? Or if you watch social dilemma or, or you know, things of that nature, you know, Tristan and, and others, um, you know, a lot of the Facebook backlash is, is really interesting. And, you know, for my whole career, I probably would have said that I was, a, you know, like a, a tech, tech utopian, right? Like Wired magazine, you know, I, I really ate it and drank it and believed it was for the vast majority all for good. And I think in the reality lately, there's a lot of bad, right? I don't know what the breakdown is, but it's not 90-10. It might be more 60-40 good to bad, or I don't know what the right the right balance is. But I guess my point is maybe it's underrated and really important that we figure out how to make technology work for good and for our better instincts and making us smarter and better. And it isn't right now. And again, like if you, if you would have asked me, if we would have done this, this, <laughs> this uh, interview on a VHS camcorder 25 years ago, and you would have told me that everyone is going to have a supercomputer in their pocket with all the world's information available for free. I probably would have thought we would have been smarter or better or done more with mm. it than what we turn out to have done to ourselves and what we really actually spend time doing with it. So I think there might be a, it's underreported and needed that we figure out how to point ourselves in in positive directions with uh with all this cool technology we have speaking of the supercomputer in your pocket is there uh an app that's on your your lock screen that that maybe i wouldn't have something that you can't live so, some app that you would want to proselytize and, and turn people on uh let me see uh can i give you a quick quick hit a couple sure yeah yeah absolutely. Um, I love tech meme. I also love nuzzle. So it's right. a, it's a social version of that. So what are my folks I follow reading and or retweeting? Yeah. Retweeting. Yeah. So I, I find out as an interesting, like news source, um, notion it's one of our companies, but I kind of live on it. It, I, I keep everything in there. Um, and love that on the home screen. And then I love music and there's a, there's a, High end kind of, I think it's a small niche, but if you're really into high quality digital music and knowing everything about the artists you love, there's a there's an app and a service called Rune R O O N 
that I bet you haven't heard of. No. People yeah. have. And it basically just organizes all your music you have in your network, connects to the high-end services like Tidal is one of them, and provides an overlay of incredible information that lets you dive ridiculously deep into the rabbit holes of every artist, every genre, every album, and everything about them that you ever wanted. Um, so that's, you can get a free trial for 14 days if you, if you want to try it out. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to music cause I want to end with that, but, um, let me, let me squeeze one more in here, which is, uh, what is your tool of choice for Zen, uh, be it exercise, meditation, drugs, legal or otherwise, like if you need, if you need to go to your happy place or relax or something, what is it? Yeah, it, it's probably, uh, a, a workout or a Peloton or a run. It's, it's something physical, physical like that. And, you know, and, and if it's a run, um, I'm listening to some music, you know, on my, on my headphones. So that's, that's what would, that's what would get me there. Is there, well, which one should I do? I'll do, um, what's the last book you read? Hmm. I can tell you, cause I keep a list in my notion. Hold on. Let me look at it. I'm going to, I'm going to probably go to the last good one. Yeah, probably the wise choice. Uh, the 26 words that created the internet. Ah. Uh, Jeff Kosef is his name. Incredibly well done. It deserves an entire book. It's a, uh, it's a, an autobiography of a law. It's not even a law. It's a, it's a series of words and part of a section and part of a big law that that he make again you should this should be right up your alley yeah absolutely you do an episode with him of what was intended what was written how it played out how it changed and and once you read that you realize that everybody who's got an opinion on what should happen to it now has not done enough homework like there there, there will be no matter what you do to it now there would be so many unintended consequences and everybody's got an agenda, you know, like Facebook just came out today with what their proposal would be to amend it and fix it. Uh, and I'm sure it benefits them. And, you know, we had past presidents who wanted to just delete the whole thing completely and see what happens, you know, for their reasons. And it's so important 
and uh, very subtle. And uh, you want to be really careful when you when you mess with it. So that, that I'd recommend that to everybody. Okay, rapid fire, uh, and I'll end with the music rapid fire so we can talk about that. But um, Star Trek versus Star Wars for you? Uh, I would say more Star Trek because I just I just grew up on it. I can't get as philosophical as Gary on, on <laughs> the Prime Directive or <laughs> yeah. anything, but you know, just William Shatner and the guys in the red shirts, and the, you know, that was that was my thing as a kid, as a kid growing up. Uh, Coke versus Pepsi? Uh, Coke, even even occasionally the coffee coke it's a new thing in a can it's twice as bad for you but it's you know really- what i've never asked anyone this have you ever switched because i used to be a coke person and in the last couple of years i've totally switched to pepsi no you ever go back and forth no yeah no, i feel not. like i feel like I'm most people pick one and stick with it yeah um ios versus android easy ios all the time I, I i get lost in android i always have a backup phone just in case and i can never figure it out i'm i'm, I'm very very all in on apple mac versus pc all Mac, all Mac, but uh, I have both. I, I game on a PC and VR on a PC, but I, but I am a Mac person. Uh, Tupac versus Biggie. Uh, you know what? I, I would probably have to say uh, Biggie, but I'm not. I'm not qualified enough to give you a, a big, a big just uh, reason behind either. But I would have. All to right. Well, this is maybe maybe you're more qualified for. Um, and I'll give you the the trifecta, which is. Elvis versus Beatles versus Stones. Uh, I would go with the Stones, and I and I can say that with authority in the sense of uh, during pandemic, I bought the 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 box vinyl sets of both the Beatles and the Stones, and went through every every album, and they're both amazing. But the Stones is just so so completely epic, and and was of my time, or at least for part of it, and uh, so I would, you know. Elvis influenced them all, but I would, I would pick the stones and they're still kicking, which is just like the amazing part. Can't you know, it. my answer to that is stones. And the reason why this is a generational thing, like, you know, I'm, I'm of that age of, you know, the Beatles were just always on in my house when I was a kid. So it was in the air. Beatles weren't that. And, and, and I heard the early sixties stone stuff, but when I got to college and realized and, and started to hear the stone stuff from the seventies, yeah. And it blew my hair back. And like, so that's why stones is my answer for that because I just hadn't been exposed to it. And it's amazing. It holds, it holds up so well. Yeah. Um, so speaking of music, uh, you're, do you do the clubhouse thing weekly? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've enjoyed playing around with clubhouse and, and a group of us do a, uh, a weekly show or room as they call it called record house. It's, vinyl music music culture the music that moves you and we pick up we pick a topic every week and kind of dive deep on on it with ourselves as you know our our four or five co-hosts plus we sometimes have guests and we always we're we're playing music and giving samples and we have an ongoing playlist uh on spotify called the record house ongoing playlist if you want to find it and you'll you know you right there you would find hundreds and hundreds of songs that we've picked our audience has picked over the last almost 30 shows that we've, that we've done. And it's just been a, it's been a fun thing and how we, you know, none of us have ever met in person. We all met through oh, really? Twitter and clubhouse. Um, I'm sorry, one person, uh, I know I knew in person, but otherwise it's all virtual and we're kind of self-organizing and figure out how we come up with topics and, 
you know, who's leading each week and coming up with calendars. It's, it's very, it's really fun. Makes me appreciate what you do <laughs> with podcasts. Well, actually, and- I have to say, is it Ashwin or, um, yeah, Ashwin. Yeah. And- Ashwin actually was the guy that helped me figure out how to get audio into and out of Clubhouse. So yeah, so he, like he, we didn't know how to do that at first. Like yeah. I, the joke was, I was uh, DJ Frey or something they called me, but I was literally holding up my iPhone to right, my right. speakers. Yeah, and then Ashwin and you know figured it out from London, and he now has a you know a little system that plugs it, tunes it right in, and. And we sound almost professional. Yeah, <laughs> now, no, you sound it, good. But it's well, uh, it's fun, and I hope we hope you'll join us uh, Thursday at six thirty p.m. Yeah. By the way, like I was there last week, but I think you were doing seventy three or seventy four, and it's like that's not that's a little it's enough before my time that I can't. I feel like I that was I right have, in my that was right yeah, in my wheelhouse. Yeah, that was yeah. so I loved I love that topic. <laughs> Let me know if you ever do something like like nineteen ninety one. All right, we <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. Uh, okay. But um, hey, Chris, you're the best. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for all you do for uh, the internet and tech meme and everything. <laughs>